let's talk a, a bit about the naming of Smith Rock State Park, how it got its name in the first place. One of the versions of the, how this park was named is from a uh, private Volk, V-O-K-E, Smith, that was part of a cavalry detachment chasing Paiute Indians that had pulled a raid on uh, Warm Springs and taken about 200 head of horse. And they knew that uh, the Indians, the Paiutes, knew that the cavalry would be able to see their dust cloud and, and chase after them. So they set up an ambush in the canyon on the west side of the park here and cavalry detachment moves in and apparently the six Indian scouts who were in the lead were killed right away and then the cavalry was pinned down for an hour and then the Indians all withdrew and uh, the cavalry still hung out for probably another hour not really knowing what you know if they were going to be ambushed if they got up and a volunteer was asked for to go see where the Indians had gone so this Volk Smith volunteered and came out to the south of the canyon at the to the uh, Smith Rock group and uh, hiked up the backside which is steep but the and the backside being the west side the east side is a sheer 500 foot cliff face and he got to the top and lost his footing and nobody really knows what happened and did fall to his death and supposedly the park was named after him now there is another version of a uh, captain smith that was also an Indian agent for the Warm Springs Reservation, I believe. And he, uh, you know, he was a public figure and the park was named after him. So those are the two different versions. The Indian lore one seemed to be the most popular, but now there's some controversy about that. Who's to say exactly until they find some record that uh, they can pin it on? Correct, and more than likely those records don't exist. You have been here since 1971, basically. That's a that's a long time ago, not to tell age. Yeah, there have been uh, many changes in, in climbing here since then. And at that time, in the early 70s, this was a climbing park. In the early 80s, it was a climbing park. Really not until probably the early 90s did it start getting more uh, people that were hiking and other uses in the park. But even then, the hikers were a small minority compared to the amount of climbers here. There, uh, in the early 70s, actually all through the 70s, this place was known as, in the climbing world, as sort of a mud hole. It really was just a regional climbing area. People from uh, Seattle did come down here, mainly to get away from the rain on the west side the same with portland then as alan watts started putting up harder routes here people started taking notice as to how good the climbing really was and it was a very european style of climbing as far as the new routes that were being put up and that brought people from all over the world and this place became an international destination anybody on a road trip climbing wound up here in the 80s uh, this was on their circuit. And uh, our property right across the street, we had, have 10 acres. Uh, there used to be junipers all over it before the park had a fire in 1996. So in the 80s, we were the campground. No campground existed. We were the campground for all the climbers from all around the world. We had 60 people in the back. You go in the back and you hear some English, but you heard a lot of different languages. It was an amazing scene. Really what was happening in world climbing at that time. It's really uh, made a transition, too. It's it's a wonderful place for climbing, but there are so many other recreational uses of this uh, of this park now. Right. The amount of recreation that's going on here, varied recreation, is absolutely amazing. Uh, hiking, again, is was always something that people did, but in the 70s and 80s, we would be down here climbing all week, and we might see one or two hikers. That was it. And then again in the 90s, it grew, and then horseback riding started 
started taking off here, it's still a very, very small percentage of the use. There's a good amount of mountain bikers. Um, they don't use just the park. They use the park to go through and get out to uh, BLM and Forest Service land. Um, and certain trails here aren't open, like Misery Ridge, to biking. It's hiking only. The other thing that's happened just over the last you know, four years is slacklining, which has become real big. This area has probably 35 or more different established slack lines in it. And the only place that supposedly, the only place in the U.S. that has more is um, Moab. Uh, certainly, as far as in a concentrated area, this is this is one of the biggest. Um, Yosemite has some, but they're spread out more. Moab has a lot just because of the uh, nature of the whole area down there, so many cliffs. This park itself is only 680 acres or so, so it's not a real big area as such, uh, but there is a lot that goes on here. With the uh, recreational diversity that uh, Smith Rock has and the uh, the press behind it with uh, Travel Oregon, one of the seven wonders of Oregon, uh, it's become a very uh, popular destination. The amount of people that come here over the last two years is actually not quite doubled from over 500,000 a year to probably just over 900,000 a year. So the visitation is is amazing. The majority of that growth are people that are coming here to hike, and a lot of them don't even get down in the park. There are trails right up on the rim, so you can walk along just from the parking areas and get great views of people hiking and climbing below. And it's not just for somebody that's totally into taking long hikes. Uh, You can walk for five minutes and see quite a bit here just from the car. You could spend 10 lifetimes here and never see the same thing twice. The Lighting here throughout the year changes so much that different rock formations will look completely different than they do, you know, earlier in the year or when it snows here. It's really amazing, especially when we get uh, a foot and a half or so, which has been happening the last couple winters. It's hard to believe what this place looks like. People still come out uh, in the 80s. There were no cars here during the week, and on the weekend there would be, you know, eight to 16 cars. Now there'll be 16 cars on a really bad weather day here midweek in the winter. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. A lot of, a lot of growth, a lot of people, but a lot of different things to see and, and do. Uh, you do have a wonderful website, I might add, smithrock.com. And in essence, you've really become the spokesman uh, for Smith Rock. And uh, I don't know if this was planned or is it something that just happened, but uh, very few people know more about this area than you. Uh, thank you on, on the comments on the site. It's been a lot of work and we really like to hear you know, what people think of it. Um, Smithrock.com started in, was launched in March of 2000 and was a climbing site uh, at that point. That's always been my interest and continued to be a climbing site until just a little bit of hiking mentioned, but until just uh, last fall, we relaunched the uh, newly redesigned site. So it covers all of the park now, all of the changes that have happened, climbing, hiking, mountain biking, trail running, slacklining, and horseback riding are the main features on it. So when we started the site, again, it was really just for climbing. Um, and that's what was going on here in the park. And with that, um, we live right across the street, knew a lot of what was happening here, plus having been part of the whole scene in the 80s uh, and having climbed here since the early 70s, had seen a lot of changes, knew a lot about the park. Um, anybody that during those times that had was making history here, notoriety for themselves and for routes, we would run into or be good friends with. From there, just decided to get the information out on the park. Um, I think we were probably the third climbing site 
in the U.S. on the web at that point. And the state park had no website at, at that point either. They just didn't exist. Since then, they've, they've got a real nice website that gives you the basic information about the park. And then we've, we have that on our site and then a lot more in-depth information for all the different activities, plus a lot of interactive maps. Um, and, of course, a lot of photos. What I found about your site, Mike, is that um, the state site is excellent, but you have the color, and uh, that's, that's hard to come by. Yes, the, uh, the amount of time we're able to put in on it, I mean, it's a full-time job for my wife and I, and she's the one that's actually now really doing the majority of the work on the site. Um, and with that, with the backgrounds we have in photography and videography and marketing and advertising, uh, you know, we've really applied that to the site and try to make it as user-friendly and uh, useful to people as possible. Let's back up and talk a little bit about the history of this area. I think uh, many people come here, but they have no idea about the history. They don't have an idea of how the the state park got its name. Uh, There's another area here which is historic. Uh, For us history buffs, tell us a little bit about the history of this area. The park was officially founded uh, January 1st, 1960, which was also the very first day, and I'm sure this was not coincidence, that uh, Monkey Face was climbed. Um, Monkey Face is a 350-foot high pinnacle on the west side of the park, and its pinnacle itself on top looks like it has a monkey's head. It's, It's amazing. It looks like it's really been sculpted. And there have been people climbing here earlier, definitely in the 30s um, and beyond. During World War II, of course, uh, there was really no climbing activity. And it started picking up again in the 50s and then some in the 60s, a little more interest. But it really wasn't until the late 60s when climbing itself, rock climbing, really started to boom that there was more interest here in climbing scene. And 70s, a little bit of growth. Uh, some harder routes being put up uh, for the time. Then Alan Watts, who's from Madras, so local boy, uh, have been climbing here since late 70s and all of a sudden started getting really good, spending a lot of time here in the park. And early 80s, he started putting up very hard routes that, that caught the attention of a lot of people around the world and it was very controversial because the style that the routes were being put up in was not accepted by the Yosemite climbers and Yosemite ruled the rock climbing world in the U.S. at that time, uh, even around the world to some extent. But because of the nature of the rock here, it was safer to rappel down from the top, check out the route, and then put in bolts as needed on these blank rock faces. And that's how the Europeans had been doing it for some time before. And when they heard about what was going on here, a lot came over to see uh, how it compared to what they did, and they they liked a lot, and so the place really exploded by the late 80s as far as the amount of climbers. Um, From there, it really grew probably until about 92, and then the international scene, it was still happening, but it wasn't this big crush that it had been. It was more regional climbers from the U.S. coming here, and for for a while, climbing sort of flattened out, especially as far as visitation. Uh, After 06 and into uh, probably 2010. A lot more hikers in the park, but not really that many more climbers. Now, climbing over the last four years in particular has really started growing again, and that's on a national level also. So this place has gotten a lot of people. You will stand in line. You'll be on a route in the popular areas around. What is the history of uh, nearby places uh, like Skull Hollow? Um, I read something about that, but uh, obviously you have uh, looked into that as well. Um, Skull Hollow 
from what I've heard, and lately it's this history is even changing some, but I always assumed that it was where somebody found a steer head, you know, and that's how Skull Hollow got named. Well, it was actually part of the uh, Meek wagon train from 1843 that had disappeared, and there were uh, roughly 200 settlers and 35 wagons in, in this group, and nobody knew what happened to them. Um, you can tell how sparse the population was out here then. If people didn't know how more 200 people disappeared to. And supposedly in, in 1863, a cavalry detachment from uh, the Warm Springs Reservation was out here, and they came across the remains of the uh, settlers and the wagons from an Indian t- Indian tack, Northern Paiutes, um, that happened, you know, roughly 20 years ago. And uh, so apparently that's how it got its name. There was some lore that you could still find parts of the wagons in 1965 out in the uh, field out there. So that's about nine miles north, eight miles northeast, is that right? Yeah, Skull Hollow from Smith Rock is actually east-northeast about, and by road about eight miles from here as a crow flies, probably more like three and a half. But it is, because of the rocks surrounding this area, it is separated very much from uh, the park itself. As you look over your history connected with Smith Rock and what you see here, is it something that um, you think is going to be handed down in great shape to future generations? The uh, amount of people here has definitely put some wear on the park, but there's the park is very conscientious, conscientious about the amount of uh, wear and tear on the trails, and they're always doing repairs. But there's also a yearly volunteer program, which is mainly climbers. It's called the Spring Thing, and it's mainly climbers because it was started by by climbers uh, over 20 years ago. And it was to shore up the trails around here. This is a desert area, less than nine inches of rain a year or so. Once the vegetation is knocked off the hillside, it really doesn't come back. And so there had to be a lot of terracing put in, and especially the popular climbing areas. Um, and the climbers themselves, the local people, have always sort of self-policed all the other climbers that have come in and make sure that people, um, you know, respect the park. And the uh, I know that the park management now is very much and has has been, but they are, because of the increase in people, uh, they are actively doing upgrades and repairs uh, continually. Well, being an advocate for Smith Rock, um, congratulations, and uh, uh, you really are wearing a, a big smile right now, as as you should, because uh, this is a really wonderful thing that you have done in your lifetime to be a steward of this land. So thank you, sir. Thank you very much.